We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D Wade. Now Artest is flipped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is January 23rd. It's a Thursday. Nick Whalen back with James Anderson. James, appreciate you taking the time. Um, you're right in the thick of baseball prep. Um, if you're if you're a fan of what James does on this podcast, make sure you listen to our MLB pod, especially the Prospects Edition, which has grown exponentially over the last couple of years, especially in the last calendar year. You guys have been killing it, you and Clay. Um, so make sure to check that out as baseball season approaches. I think we have to address Zion right away. Um, probably something that a lot of podcasts won't be touching on today. I was able to watch that that full game live last night. Uh, been been sick the last couple of days. Had a volleyball game canceled last night, which was perfect. Um, so I planted myself on my recliner, watched what was basically like eighty percent of the game was pretty terrible and not very fun to watch. And it looked like Zion was just going to kind of be a little rusty and not do anything. And then the middle of the fourth quarter arrived, and he went on you know one of the more memorable individual runs of the season. You know, there's been a lot of just bad basketball, especially bad national TV basketball, and you know, I would I wouldn't say that Zion was like a massive disappointment given the long layoff uh, until that until that stretch. But he was committing turnovers. He just wasn't all that aggressive. Um, you know, kind of emblematic of the type of player that he is, where he's not just going to be involved in every single possession because he's not a primary ball handler. And then he hit four threes in a row and finished with twenty two seven and three in eighteen minutes. And that was a game that New Orleans trailed for almost the entire game and obviously ended up losing by four but Williamson kind of shot them back into the game with all those threes and a couple of finishes got to the line a few times went two or four at the line and was basically begging to stay in the game and I think the crowd felt that way everybody watching felt that way uh, but I, I didn't really have a huge problem with Alvin Gentry pulling him out I mean he, he probably left him in two or three minutes longer than he wanted to based on on the run that he was on uh, but Zion ended up being done for the night with I think like five or six minutes left in the game and of course the Pelicans lose but um, that that four or five minute run alone I think was kind of enough even when he looked rusty for most of the game like even enough to justify the hype yeah I thought that he looked better 
as a three-point shooter than anyone was expecting, and I thought he looked worse as a defender than anyone was expecting, and maybe a little bit better as a... He had a couple of really nice passes, uh, mm-hmm. but I mean, I thought as good as he was in that fourth quarter, he was probably just as bad on the other end. Um, so, like, I I don't even know if leaving leaving him in that game uh, necessarily would have positively affected them because he wasn't going to just keep not missing from three, right. and they well, were, and the Spurs were going to keep getting layups on the other end as long as he was in there. So, um, you know, it's not a, it wasn't a you know, I don't think like this Pelicans team's poised to go on some amazing run uh, no. the rest of the season now that Zion's back. But I mean, it definitely makes them more watchable. I I kind of thought it was weird, uh, almost kind of uncomfortably weird, how the fans were just on, like only cared about Zion. Like <laughs> I I just like be, I would. You know, I don't want to tell anyone how to behave when they go to a sporting event necessarily. No, but, go like, go ahead, please. How about you just support the team in general and like because the other 14 players or whatever like it's got to feel kind of weird to just be like hey we've been grinding this whole season like Brandon Ingram's having a borderline all-star season and like all the fans care about is uh one player who is playing his first game like I get that you'd be excited for Zion but it just seemed like very um like it they cared when he was on the court and when he wasn't on the court they were just kind of like okay whatever yeah Um, that's exactly the vibe i got (laughs) as well watching on tv i mean and to be fair i mean both the pelicans and espn probably even more so espn you know made this game all about zion they had they had the zion cam that you could watch on like espn 3 or whatever that's called now i don't know who was watching that i mean he was on the bench for 30 of the 48 minutes so that probably wasn't super eventful um but yeah i mean it for a team that is still very much in the thick of the playoff race. I mean, they're 17 and 28. You know, it's not like this team is, you know, setting the world on fire every single night and has a ton of other established stars. But yeah, it was kind of a strange scene. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think Zion certainly helps going forward. I think he is the rare rookie that, you know, especially for a team like this that has some kind of questionable depth uh, at, at the forward spots. Although it is worth noting, he played every minute at center last night. Well, okay. So, but if he. Well, first, how how real do you think his three point shooting is? Because I kind I kind of got like sort of Draymond Green vibes, sort of. Where Remember when Draymond Green hit five threes in the first half of yeah, Game Seven? Yeah, that's like, what it felt like. Like he will take it without hesitation, which is good. Uh, I mean, you don't want to mm-hmm. be thinking too much before you take your your threes, but I mean, he's gonna. Th- this is one of those where, like, if you were playing. Uh, like if he'd made those four threes like in the first quarter, he would have probably taken like five more the rest of the game and probably missed all five. Yeah, like is the, it was kind of on that sort of trajectory. So um, if he's not going four for four from three and he's a complete turnstile on defense, does he actually make them better going forward? Well, the defensive thing did scare me because I, I don't know if you if you remember watching the specific play kind of right in the middle of his run and, and he was probably pretty tired. I mean, there was a couple of like rebounds where he just grabbed and go, you know, grabbed and go and was kind of running up and down. So they, it is forgivable. It's his first game since, since October, but there was one where he got switched out onto Derek white and he just gave him kind of a slight hesitation move. And for a guy who's as athletic as Zion and who we've seen, you know, the closing speed that he has, the athleticism that he has, like, was nowhere close to even contesting the shot. I mean, it looked like it was a breakaway layup, you know, after after Derek White made that move. And that's Derek White. I mean, he's a fine guard. He's not an elite type of guard. Um, I, I'm willing to give Zion the benefit of the doubt that in a couple of weeks, once he's in better shape, you know, maybe the defense improves. Because this is not a guy that we thought would be a defensive liability, right? I mean, I, I don't think we thought he was going to come in and average three blocks a game. But I think at the very least, he would be among the better defenders as a rookie well, so. to, to me i thought it was more i was more worried about his help defense than yeah. his man-to-man defense because um you know there aren't many guys his size that are great at checking a, a point guard out on the perimeter but in college at least he showed a lot of potential as like a help side uh shot blocker rim protector and obviously big difference between the ACC and and the NBA but uh I mean he was just a complete non-factor on rotations um you know Aldridge and Pirtle were getting layups uh pretty much whenever he was on what a sentence that is (laughs) (laughs) and so I I expect it to be better as well but they are in a 
situation where, you know, I think offensively center is his best spot, but uh, defensively he's just going to get – he's going to be a huge negative on that end of the court if he's playing center and he's not playing next to Derek Favors mm-hmm. because like Jackson Hayes is – uh, pretty horrible uh, defensively, as you as you'd expect for a guy his size, who's e- extremely raw. Uh, I mean, he's just he gets knocked over by anyone. Um, so when you have those two guys as like two thirds of your center rotation, um, and one then the other the other quarter is Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> sure, sure. So I mean, like that that makes it tough. I mean, that really puts yeah. a lot of pressure on your offense. Uh, and Derek Favors. Like I feel like watching Derek Favors and Zion like with their braces and everything, like it's just it seems like they're both kind of <laughs> ticking time bombs to get hurt again. Like, yeah, and I, I don't want to think that way, but um, it's it's just it's interesting. They've got some uh, tough decisions to make, yeah, over the next few years because I think you with the Zion Ingram core, like you have something potentially really special. But surrounding them with the right complementary pieces, specifically at center for the long term, mm-hmm. uh, or at least a power forward who can protect the rim next to Zion yep. if you want to play Zion at center. Like I think that's going to be something critical for them if, if Zion actually is going to be um, not a plus defender, which, I, I mean, he's got light years to go to get there. I mean, maybe he gets there, but... Uh, I think he'll get there. To right. be like a, like a... Well, so like... Do you think he can be a plus defensive power forward or a plus defensive center? I mean, what's the main issue? Size? Um, effort, I mean, do we agree effort, he was a plus like, defender at Duke? Like, am I wrong about that? No, like, what he do we, was, but I mean, it, it's just, you know, he the, the effort and the sort of, I don't know whether he wasn't reading what he was supposed to do or he just wasn't, yeah. didn't really care. But like, I mean, effort is pretty much like the number one skill in terms of, uh, defense in the NBA, like you have to have that mentality to be really yeah. good on that end of the court. Like there are some guys who can dial it up, like LeBron and Kevin Durant, but like those guys aren't uh, plus defenders during the regular season, at least at this stage of their right. career, because they're not well, trying that hard. So, um, you know, is I mean, he's a rookie. Like I know he's coming back from injury, but like, is he gonna have this sort of peak where he actually is really? engaged on that end and like trying to make a difference on that end or is he kind of just going to settle into like hey i'm like the most popular player in the right. league whether or not i try on defense or not so it's worth noting defensive rating in his 18 minutes he's the pals had a 121 defensive rating in favors 23 minutes they had a 113 defensive rating and favors had a much higher offensive rating too i mean outside of zion it, and it's also worth noting that brandon ingram was terrible last night like one of his worst games of the year six of 22 missed a ton of shots around the rim like that was part of it it wasn't all zion um but they're i think they're right now they're a better team you know we have 18 minutes of zion playing but they're a better team significantly better team defensively with favors and that's been true since he came back from right. that long absence after the death of his mother they've they've been a completely different he's the team only on that reason end. that they're like still in the running for a playoff spot basically like yeah as soon as he came back like things just really changed but, but for those first i think i looked this up a couple weeks ago like for his first two weeks back which is like 10 games they went from being the worst defensive team in the league to the seventh best defensive team in the league like he's made that big of a difference and like you said the, the drop off from him defensively to hayes okafor and now williamson is, is pretty huge i don't I think based on what we know about Zion, or at least what the national narrative has been about him, there's never been a question that he would try, right? Like everything you hear about him is he just loves the game so much. Every time he's on the court, he has to go 100%. You know, they had to tell him to slow down. Like, so I, whether that's true or not, I guess we'll see. I, I think the reputation implies that he'll effort won't be an issue on that end. Um, and like I said, I want to see him. I want to see him healthy for a month and see how he plays on defense yeah. when he's not running at full speed coming off of a three month absence. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. Choose 10 of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or the under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it becomes. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed daily in NBA prizes alone. You can use our promo code RW, that's just the letter R and the letter W, when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant match of up to $25 on that first deposit. Download the Thrive Fantasy app 
on the App Store or Google Play Store, or by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. In three years, who do you think will be the better defender out of him and Jackson Hayes? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about Barrett. Um, I don't know. I, th- I probably probably Hayes by default, just because he's so long. He's athletic. He's he's already had a couple like highlight type of defensive plays, and he's he's kind of that type of player. Where yeah, if if he kind of does, if he kind of transforms his body, sort of like Giannis. Like I mean, you have to think back to like who are some guys that came in like this skinny. And then got to the point where they can't be knocked around down low. Yeah. Like there I mean, aren't do you a consider ton like guys. Capella. Uh, Capella, like what, what? Capella might be kind of a best case too. I mean, yeah, Capella. I mean, Miles Turner. I, I think Miles Turner was a little more polished coming out. I don't know if he can get quite as big as as Turner. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe maybe Capella is just he's super young too. Him. Isn't he still like eighteen? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, who knows how much weight he'll be able to put on? But to me, like to me, he's got the drive and the instincts on that end to possibly get there but okay. he just gets anytime he gets posted up he just gets completely mm-hmm. knocked over um but that that's an, a fascinating thing about them building out this core long term is you if you don't get one of those guys to get to that point where they can be your sort of defensive anchor uh then you need to go get that guy um mm-hmm via free agency or via the draft because i mean by the time this team's really ready to uh, be like a western conference finals team i wouldn't imagine Derek favors will be on the roster even yeah. though they, they might bring him back for next year i mean i could see that making sense just in terms of a team wanting to get to the playoffs right but, well he's a free agent which is worth noting and, so if they do bring him back he'd have to want to come back and you're it's not a guy you're signing to like a five-year deal or yeah, a four-year I mean, deal i think I mean, they um I mean, if, would you bring him back at like two for 30 yeah do they have match rights or something like that on him or not um I, yeah i, I, I think, think so two for 30 would be i think reasonable for both parties uh just given his how unavailable he's been due to health well i mean it, it, it is we should say like his biggest absence was like a bereavement leave you know like that 15 games or whatever he missed was after the death of his mother so it hasn't been all health but i feel like he's in the past he's every missed year time too. i feel yeah, like he's right. missing like 20 games yeah. 25 i think he's had back like, issues yeah. yeah um yeah not somebody you want to commit to long term I mean, i'm looking at their salaries right now you still have holiday at 26 million next year and then 27 million the year after that uh that's a player option which i guess could kind of go either way for him i don't know if he he's probably right around that age where you might want to hit one more big contract um but either way you have him for one more year you have reddick next year at 13 million you have Zion on the rookie deal, which I mean actually pays him quite a bit. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. two, three years from now, he's making, you know, ten million, thirteen million, seventeen million. You have Lonzo for at least one more year. You have to pay Ingram, uh, who's who becomes or he's owed a qualifying offer next year, and then you know, that's down the road. Uh, but for the most part, their their cap sheet is pretty clean. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys who've been playing minutes for them the last couple of years. Frank Jackson, Kendrick Williams, Okafor, all those guys come off the books. Um, Josh Hart, you know, used to have at like three million for next season. So a lot of their bit pieces are pretty cheap. The question, like like you said, like where, where do you, if you're building around Zion, which I think is pretty clearly their goal and kind of the default choice when you take a guy like that, number one, you're locking Zion in. Presumably, you're locking Ingram in. I think for the most part, you know, you're you're okay with what you've seen from Lonzo so far. You know, maybe I, I don't think they're going to be rushing to like throw him an extension this summer, but that hasn't been a disaster what's the next piece that you try to add you think you think it's more of a defensive big man a defensive a defensive like a non-guard who's gonna help you defensively whether it's on the wing or in Mm -hmm. the front court like basically whatever you can get whatever makes sense i think that that's where they need to to be looking because um like Alvin Gentry is just not a defensive coach, so you they're twenty seventh in defense. You need a guy who is a impact defender without like the scheme driving it, because he's not gonna he's not mm-hmm. gonna like install some awesome defensive scheme all of a sudden. So I, I don't really know who that player is, but um, they don't have. I mean, they would just get absolutely destroyed. I would think. Uh, by the elite teams mm-hmm. in a playoff series for the foreseeable future because of their deficiencies on that end. Yeah. Like it's just I don't see when they're ever gonna be a league average defense, like with this current right. roster. Well the Spurs are not a great offense either. And they were it was layup after layup for most of that game. Especially right. even I think right before halftime there was just it was layup lines and for like In- Patty Bills. And like Ingram's not a bad defender, 
especially no, for he's a fine. player of his like type. You know, there's like a scoring. Yeah, well, he weighs like 180 pounds, wing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but he's also just not going to have a chance against the the elite wings mm-hmm. in the league. So, like, you need somebody. Like, who would who checks? Well, I'm all, looking at like, a list all. of I'm looking at a list of free agents for next year, and this is this is kind of option one and we'll get to option two in a second i'll just read off a few as i'm scrolling through like you know and we're not implying that they're going to throw a max on any of these guys but assuming you can get them at market value like a serge Ibaka, tristan thompson hassan whiteside jay crowder favors like we mentioned aaron baines is a free agent Otto porter becomes a free agent um i i Dwight like howard i like Ibaka and uh, to a lesser extent tristan thompson i think out of those guys mm-hmm. um like Otto Porter would be interesting, but I mean, just from a health standpoint, he he seems incredibly risky right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Serge Ibaka would not be a bad option. I think if you wanted to add just a veteran uh, to kind mm-hmm. of bring a little bit of stability to that end of the court. I mean, he's not what he used to be, but uh, they could get like, giving him twenty four minutes a game or something like that. I think would really help them on that end. Yeah, not a long-term solution by any means, but I think I I mean this is a team that I think wanted to contend this year like at they, least for a playoff spot. Like yeah, they signed JJ J. Redick and it right. doesn't sound like they have any interest in trading JJ Redick. Like Yeah. So. Well, I don't think they want to do the Davis situation all over again where right. it's slowly build around him and you know just assume he'll be there. Like I, I think if you can kick this into high gear next season. And they got enough assets in that Laker deal yes. where they don't like I think you just want to have a really good culture uh bring in the right guys don't like do desperation stuff to try to uh right win an extra five games but just don't also just insist on this all yep. being young guys you know support for this podcast comes from wild turkey kentucky straight bourbon whiskey let's tune in to their one-on-one with jamal a real bartender from old fourth ward in atlanta i really get into the backstory of whatever i'm pouring out of respect there are literally years of experience behind these bottles Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Um, well, we talked last week about OKC, you know, some of those trade ideas, like them just having that treasure trove of assets to to throw at guys. And I mean, New Orleans basically has the same thing. And I think they have they have some more tradable pieces too. Like, you know, you have the Reddit contract, you, you have the Lonzo contract if you had to throw that in. Whereas OKC, like you're not trading SGA, it's kind of just the picks and nobody really wants Chris Paul. You have Gallinari this year, but that's more short term. But I mean, New Orleans has all of its own picks, um, you know, going forward. They, have, they don't owe any first round picks to anyone. And then they have the Lakers pick in 2021, Lakers pick in 2023, the Lakers pick in 2024. So, I mean, those are three three picks that, by 2024, who knows what the Lakers are going to mm-hmm. be. And even by 2023, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't bet that they're still the best team in the West at that time. And I think in a lot of ways, the earlier you cash in on those picks, the more valuable they are because there's kind of that promise of, of something shiny in the future. So they, they're going to be well-positioned if somebody were to shake free. And I think, I think if we get you know, two and a half really good months of Zion and he goes into next season with a lot of momentum, there's going to be guys who want to play with him. Yeah, I especially young guys like right. the the guys from uh you know kind of around that Lonzo Ball Brandon Ingram type of age yes. I think those guys will will definitely have interest um but are you <laughs> so just looking forward to like their path to the playoffs uh are you <laughs> what what would your reaction be if it was a Lakers Pelicans first round matchup uh revenge revenge series for for multiple players involved well didn't david go for like 47 or something when they when they played new orleans <laughs> earlier this year i i don't know i mean it obviously obviously the lakers would win they'd probably right. win in four or five as a big lifelong lakers fan like, i wouldn't feel great about it i'd does, rather they play memphis or okc or, so you'd rather like, them play like a, a more a, a series with less storylines yeah oh, okay course, yeah okay. I, uh, like, I just think there's more risk would you rather know. play would you rather play the spurs no, well, I was thinking about that. I don't know because we've seen the Spurs and Pops, you know, scheme really well against LeBron specifically. I, although I, I like the Spurs would definitely take a game off them. I'm sure. confident about yeah. that. I don't yeah. think I don't think either of those teams. They would be the toughest series. team of the, those teams to sweep. 
Right. I think the biggest question is who do the Lakers add someone? Because the more you watch, like I watched them last night and like they were struggling to score against the Knicks. You know, I mean that that was like a game that should have been way more out of hand than it was. LeBron had twenty one in the first half. Finish. I think he finished with twenty three, and they they just they've been really good defensively, and that's worth a lot. I mean they're holding teams under one hundred routinely. I, I think. I think Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd have kind of put their stamp on the defense, yes. and they've just sort of said, "Fine, LeBron, just do whatever you want on offense." How which, crazy is it? Which you kind of have to do. But about Frank Vogel, like before, was it Arnavid? Somebody wrote a feature about a, it last week, and I was like, "I totally forgot he was the Lakers coach." Like what a, what a. Uh, I mean, he he's like comeback comeback player of the year like comeback coach of the year like everyone was just like oh man what do you give him like a month two months yeah. before jason kidd like takes that job this is the and- first time lebron's <laughs> never had any like any issues with the coach we haven't yeah. heard either side comment they seem to be on the same page as far as role rest all that um where are you, are you concerned a lot of people seem to be concerned about lebron's minute load i've i don't think it's any worse than it's been in in other years i mean i, I obviously ideally you'd rather him be on the Giannis plan where he plays I mean, 30 minutes a night but he's I mean he's at 34.8 which is his lowest in any season ever yeah. in his entire career so I don't know where the complaints are I would feel <laughs> it's it's like it's kind of his weakness I guess it like I mean it's I feel the same way about it that I do about like Giannis's free throws you know yeah. like sure it'd be great if he wasn't playing this many minutes but right. there's nothing you can really do about his it he's gonna play is he's playing too much <laughs> like because you he just want too much like you want him to just be able to be 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. like on every play in the series that really count in yep. the playoffs like you don't want him uh just not having the energy to help over yep. on like a key play late in a in a western conference finals that type of thing i i don't think his uh effort level will be in question it's just yeah i mean he's he's kind of in uncharted waters in terms of uh, yes. minutes so it it's understandable if he just doesn't have it left uh, did, did you listen games. to danny green on the low post i'm a little concerned there's some heavy implication uh, from both sides that LeBron really wants the MVP this year. He's not getting the MVP. So no. there's nothing he can do at this point unless Giannis gets hurt, which doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think it's like if he if that's really what he's gunning for, I don't think he's going to win it. And then is this all for nothing? And if he doesn't have that extra gear in the playoffs, not not that he won't. I mean, he's played he's played more minutes than this before and he's been been able to still take it to that next level, but I just if if the MVP is actually the goal, I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> it's definitely not, it's worth, not worth it, it at all. <laughs> um Wait, I thought he was going to try to get Anthony Davis the MVP. Is that not? Is people, that not a lot of people anymore? were saying that. Uh, that narrative is yet to come through. We're forty some <laughs> games in for them, and LeBron has not said anything. I get. I mean, Davis, I think is going to get Defensive Player of the Year. He's not getting MVP, um, and it's mostly due to Giannis. I did but. hear a a analyst for ESPN say that uh, she would vote for LeBron for MVP uh, last week. I believe who so, uh, Jackie Mack. Oh, all right. Cool. So, there, That's there's, actually kind there's, of surprising. There's one. There's one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, it was interesting. Like, Lowe said to Danny Green, he's like, well, I think it's Giannis right now, but it's really, really close. I don't think, I don't feel like it's that close. I think LeBron finishes second or third, but I don't think it's like neck and neck. I think he's probably still behind Harden. Well, I don't like close between like who? Like, like I mean, like Hart. I, I mean, I, I, it's Luka Doncic, James Harden. Like, I feel like. Those? I don't know. It feels like when Luca got hurt for like those five games, everything just he's just kind of stopped. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess like the Lakers continuing to be on this like sixty-five yeah. win pace helps, but I also I don't guess, think they're going to okay. get there. So yeah, I mean, to me, it's kind of Giannis, and then there's that tier of like Harden, LeBron, and Luca, where right. I don't see how you say one is clearly better than the other. You might right. it might just be LeBron finishes second because the team wins, but um, I yeah. mean, it, Giannis would need to miss over eight or nine games i think for me to even right. think twice about it at this point yeah so right now i mean the odds are Giannis minus 177 luca plus 450 harden plus 650 lebron plus 900 and this is what i tend to <laughs> trust LeBron more know than, those odds <laughs> no i don't think lebron cares about this i think he would dismiss it as uh, like a prank or uh those what's oh a hoax that's that's the word i'm trying to look for FanDuel never played played yeah, the nba draft so. yeah DraftKings <laughs> odds are a hoax but yeah i mean these odds these are more effective of the real right you know you look at basketball reference mvp predictor i think they have Harden number one like a couple of years ago kevin love was like in the top five like there are there are metrics you can look at but the odds historically are the way to go and they imply that lebron is fourth right now which i don't think he'd finish fourth but he's not finishing first so. no i i don't think he'd finish fourth either mm-hmm. um but yeah it, that's that's a stupid thing for him to be gunning for i yeah. i just sort of thought he would uh 
you know, I think he it makes sense for him to sort of take offense to the way some people were talking about him in the offseason and just sort of wanting to reestablish that, yeah, I'm still one of the best players in the league, but like to, to actually try actively to win the MVP. He's got to try this, harder. At this stage of his career, like his his legacy is firmly intact, and I think <laughs> another NBA Finals win would go much, much, much further than yes. another MVP win for him. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like this is going to play out like all the other years where he probably should have or could have won it, but there was just someone else who had the better narrative yeah, go, and probably the better season. Go ask James Harden and Russell Westbrook yeah. how gunning for an MVP in the regular season uh, yeah, translates exactly. into the Exactly. I'm disappointed. I thought LeBron had moved past this phase, <laughs> but apparently not. Uh, I want to hit on a few guys. There's a report, um, I think it was NBC Sports Philly, just listed a bunch of guys who had been linked in one way or another via a number of reports from different different guys around the league uh these were specifically guys who were linked to the sixers but i think i think that there's kind of like a list of eight or nine guys who every contender is going to mm-hmm. be going after because there's just not that many guys available so this article highlighted bogdanovich covington Derek rose alec burks davis bertans luke Kennard, uh Dan- danilo gallinari in okc and etuan moore and there, there were a few others who were who mm-hmm. were kind of lower level but it kind of seems like you know, barring and, and pro- somebody that we, we aren't thinking of will probably become available. We'll see if it ends up, you know, meaning anything. But it does seem like this is the caliber of player that's available. A guy who's probably not ever going to be an all-star, you know, with the exception of Rose. And that's obviously a unique case. But guys who I think any contender would want on the roster as like somewhere between your fourth and like sixth guy. And I, I think Philly, Philly, the Lakers, I think those two are probably the teams most in need of one more to push him to the top whereas i think like the clippers yeah they'd like to add somebody but they're they're pretty good as is they're pretty deep the bucks you know don't it's kind of hard to pinpoint who you'd swap out who you'd want they're pretty deep as well um miami's really deep boston you know could still use a big man i, I still don't know who that is but any of these guys on this list that that kind of jump out as a really good fit for for any of these teams that are maybe top five in each conference uh well i think the the four that I think could really make a difference are Bogdanovich, Covington, Bertans, and Gallo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think Derrick Rose could probably help any any team that is sort of lacking uh, creators on the second unit. I think he could help in the regular season, and I think he's on a I think he's on got another year left on his deal at a pretty affordable price, so I could see the appeal. I could see the appeal with Luke Kennard, especially if you're a younger team. But in terms of guys that you would actually want in your playoff rotation that would help you, uh, I think those four, and, and specifically uh, Bogdanovich to me, um, just because I would love the opportunity to lock him up uh, for next year as well, or, or sign him to a long-term deal uh in the offseason um Covington obviously is the the defensive guy of of those four uh Bertans and Gallo I think are pretty fit dependent because they are not going to help you at all on defense but if you need uh, to space the floor a little bit I think those guys would be mm-hmm. able to slot in on on any lineup but uh yeah I think Bogdanovich is the one that probably appeals to me most for a variety of reasons i don't really i can't even think of a team where he wouldn't be a nice fit i mean like he's obviously not gonna go to like the bucks i don't think uh barring something crazy just because they already have sort of like four guys like that like in yeah so but i mean i think there are a lot of teams that could use those four guys yeah, I mean, reports on Bogdanovich have been all over the place. It seems like it's contradicting. I still don't week. trust that the Kings are going to be smart enough to move him. Yeah. I think, like, the um, undunked on, they were talking about how the Kings should be trying to move uh, Rashawn Holmes to the Mavs to, to replace Dwight Powell. I don't think they're smart enough to do that. Uh, I basically just don't think they're no. – we can't expect competency from them. And sure can't. They're – Def- I don't think they have a chance of re-signing Bogdanovich, but I don't think they know that. So I think they are going to hold him because they like him. So uh, the report I'm reading right now says he has a standing four-year, $52 million offer. Right. He's going to get more than that. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get closer to 80 mil than he right. will 50 Detroit mil. could like double that if they yeah. want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I feel like there's a good chance that they do 
hold on to him and just assume that he's going to take well below his own value to play for a team that sucks. And hey, you remember how we never let you start, even though you're arguably yeah, better your than uh... coach is openly blaming the team after every loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it also just becomes a numbers thing. Like when you're paying Harrison Barnes 85 million, when you're paying Buddy Heald 86 million, they basically have... chose Harrison Barnes over yeah. Bogdanovich long term. Whether yes. they knew that or not, that's what they chose. Exactly. They're, they're already trying to trade their other big money addition, Dwayne Dedman, who's been a complete disaster. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they were one of those teams that everybody thought was on the way up, and they've just kind of kings themselves. How many, how many teams do you think have approached them and tried to explain to them that they don't have a right. chance of keeping Bogdanovich? <laughs> like, I mean, if... Maybe if it gets to like eight or nine teams, like really lay right. out, like, look, you're not going to keep this guy. <laughs> Maybe they'll it's be like a team of executives from, from every team trying to trade for him. Like, bought <laughs> it. You got to listen to me here, man. Like the math literally doesn't work out. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to turn out well for the Kings. I mean, I think for the good of the league, I'd love to see him traded because he's he's a good player and he's just not having the right impact in Sacramento. And like, obviously, I want him on the Lakers as a lifelong Lakers fan. I think that would be a perfect addition for them. But even if he goes to Philly or Denver, whoever, like Dallas, I don't care, whatever team, like I just want to see him on a team where he matters more. Yeah, for sure. I I just want to see him on a team where he gets to be a primary ball handler. Like that, I I think like him on like the Timberwolves or something like that would be awesome. I think they're still set on D'Angelo, which I love, I love D'Angelo as a player. I, I, I love Towns. That's have, a terrible so pairing. I, I think that they would love to get him. I, I just don't think, when it comes down to it, I don't think they have they don't. the pieces that the Warriors would want back. You virtually have to include Wiggins for money reasons. I, I kind of think they, the Warriors have uh, Russell as sort of this sign-and-trade Giannis piece sure. uh, that they're sort of pipe-dreaming on, like, I don't think he's leaving the Bucks, but I think they're one of like two or three teams he might leave them for. But I, you know, I think they they recognize there are teams that love D'Angelo Russell, but it's on the Timberwolves to acquire pieces yes. that actually appeal to the Warriors. Like Robert Covington is not going to headline a no. D'Angelo Russell trip. No, he's not. And if he did, you'd have, I mean, is Minnesota really going to throw every first round pick they have to Here's the Warriors bunch, for, for D'Angelo Russell? Picks and yeah. For- I mean, even like, even if you get Russell and Towns, like what is that? What's the ceiling of that team? Like There's two terrible defenders, zero proof that D'Angelo Russell makes you even like a 45 win right. team as your second best player. Mm-hmm. And Carly Towns, there's no proof he even makes you like a 42 win team. Yeah. They're trading Russell at some point. It's going to be, they're going to get a really nice piece for him. It's going to be sometime sort of down frustrating. The line. Like when yes. you see what they get back, because I, I think he's incredibly overrated, but Big time. Uh, just teams like sad franchises. It's just so appealing to them to have a guy of that caliber on a long-term deal where they know that they have mm-hmm. him. So, um, do you think they eventually flip him for like another star or they do like a one for four type of trade where they just fill out those those roster spots that have kind of dwindled the last few years? Um, I think that they're going to try to flip him for a, a star who fits a little bit better. Um, I don't really know who that's going to be, but I mean, they could have just gotten three guys this offseason if that was something that they wanted to do with that space. True. Like, it wasn't like they there weren't a ton of quality role players available this past offseason they chose russell uh and they gave up a lot to choose russell over that option so i think that the plan with him is to unload him as part of like the next sort of really big name that becomes available in trades yeah i'm i'm looking up and down and it's just it's hard to say who that guy would be you know i mean it, it feels like in terms of unhappiness like towns is near the top of the list but there's contract wise it would just make so little sense yeah you know i mean we've seen guys now be able to kind of pull it off a year before they're a free agent but he's he's got like four more years Maybe bradley beal and yeah um, but he just i mean he just inked the extension well like but he didn't didn't you i forget where i heard it. i heard that he was uh unhappy with like how well the team's been doing this year and why they've been clearly outperforming everyone's expectations like was he that delusional when he resigned or is he just kind of already laying the groundwork of like all right well as soon as i'm eligible to be traded i'm gonna need to be traded yeah i think that's very much in the cards i think (laughs) i think he's gonna give it a shot with wall and if and when that probably doesn't go very well you know maybe we maybe we see him force his way out at some point it's kind of it's I totally am fine with it because it's uh, 
allowed and everything, but it's it sort of seems like a lot of players have kind of and agents probably even more so than players have sort of adopted this even if we don't want to be here, let's just take the extension as soon as it's put in front of us and mm-hmm. then we'll just get out later. Like I mean that I don't know if that was that's what happened with Kevin Love, but um it sort of just seems like it, you just take the money when it's available and then you figure everything yeah. out after that. And right. You have you have so much more power now than you did ten years ago that I could I, I think players and for the most part this is true. I think they're willing to take the short term hit in terms of reputation in their in that town. Like if Kevin Love forces his way out and it gets ugly, Cleveland will maybe boo him lightly for mm. a couple games back, and then that's it. You know, like at the end well, of the day, unless, like, unless you're like a top five guy, it really doesn't affect also, anything. If Carl Anthony Towns forces his way out of Minnesota, will Minnesota fans even know or realize? Like, I don't think that they like the no. everyone I know. Like, I know a ton of people that are huge Minnesota sports fans. None of them care at all about the Timberwolves. So if Carl Anthony Towns, they leaves, shouldn't like nobody's gonna care <sighs> i said this a couple weeks ago but one name to watch with them is is simmons i think and you know he's been playing well i don't think philly's in any rush oh, that, to trade him that'd but, be my favorite russell trade right i think you're waiting I, I think if you're the warriors you're rooting for a second round flame out for the sixers where simmons and mb just First look, look clunky out. well yeah i mean miss the playoffs they they, could, that would they be could, ideal they if they're uh if they're not a first if, well they're not gonna be the first seed if they're not the second seed which they're not going to be then they could absolutely lose in the first round right now they would match up with toronto in round yeah. one and like, if they if they were to f- jump indiana which is one a half game ahead of them right now they'd play boston in round one those are 50 50 series to be yeah i i mean i think those are 50 50 series i think like miami and indiana at least have like a puncher's chance like maybe 20 percent, 25 percent chance like so they, they could absolutely get bounced in the first round yeah i think you're you it was, it's going to take something like that to just be chaos right and i think we've seen when teams are operating in chaos you're more likely to make a deal um like that but one more thing before we head out i don't want to talk all-star we did, did that yesterday with alex we'll get the the starter announcements tonight I, I think for the most part those will be as expected although the east backcourt is a little interesting because Kyrie's played so few games and he was top two in the fan voting as of last week um brighter future going forward you can you can put whatever parameters you want on this three years five years seven years whatever would you rather take over the gm job in memphis phoenix or sacramento memphis okay without, i think that's the answer without hesitation sacramento is interesting just because you have pieces you can move around if you're competent <laughs> uh yeah i i mean i i'm saying memphis without even factoring yeah. in ownership but like obviously better ownership situation than with the the Suns or the kings as well but um i mean you just look at to me, John Morant versus even Devin Booker, like a very established quality. Like, I mean, I think he's you know borderline All Star caliber this year. Mm-hmm. John Morant, to me, I would easily rather build around him than than even Devin Booker, and that goes for all the guys in the Kings as well. I mean, he just has top ten player in the league. Yep, uh, upside. You got him under team control for for the longest. You have young pieces around him you're you don't have any bad money uh going forward really uh it's just it's kind of i mean the grizzlies might be a top i don't know six seven job gm of them right now like i mean that's that's a really appealing situation yeah looking at their cap sheet too very clean (laughs) i think the valanchunas extension as like the only questionable thing yeah i mean you have him on the books for 29 million combined for the next two years eventually movable i think it's it it makes some sense to me just because of uh, the other pieces on that team. Like it, it gives them sort of a a toughness factor that allows them to just whenever they play one of those teams that doesn't have a center that can guard him, he just goes off, and like that gets yeah. them a win like every two weeks right. just because they have he's him. like a better like Zubac where it, it just forces other teams, <laughs> especially in a playoff series down the road, it forces you to have a guy on your roster even if he's only playing 10 minutes who can match up with that right and he i think he compliments uh jaron jackson pretty well i think that's kind of been borne out because Mm -hmm. jackson plays away from the basket uh and jackson can protect the rim and valentunas can do everything else um so but yeah if if valentunas at that money is the worst thing you have on the books right uh they're probably going to get um I don't know if it's going to be like a second round pick for Iguodala, but you know they'll get something for him. They might get 
I don't know if they'll get anything for Jay Crowder. I think yeah. they would take a second for him right now. If they oh, could, yeah, big time. I don't think you're getting a first for Crowder. I mean, you have Brandon Clark, who looks really good on the books for $2.6 million next year, $2.7 million the year after. I mean, at some and point, if he continues to develop, you have to pay him. But I think you're fine with do doing that in 2023. Do you think other players would rather play with John Morant or Zion? I think either way. I think they're both like really appealing to that that demographic of like 19 to 23-year-old players. I just think you would... Mo- they should play I mean, with each other. Obviously, if you're a point guard, you're going to say Zion. But if you're any other position, yeah. I think you're going to say Jab because he just... I don't know. I think they're both really appealing. He makes... Uh, he just does everything. He does all of the creating, and you just have to kind of be paying attention and just yeah. dunk. <laughs> no, very true. I mean, I think for everything that we've seen so far, they're both you know on the star track, but don't seem to be and zion is too early to tell i guess but don't seem to have like bought into that yet like they're having fun while doing it they're by all accounts good teammates like i, I think I, I mean i think you're lining up to play with either of those guys and the problem is they play in new orleans and memphis which still aren't really at the forefront of where most guys are trying to go but i think those guys alone make it appealing mm-hmm. i yeah i mean i think i'll say i'll, I'll say it's jad just because i think point guards are typically mm-hmm the ones you want to play with um or the guys you like go out of your way to try to play with um unless it's like a lebron james type yeah but um i know you hate deandre ayton but i i'm a little (laughs) surprised you didn't give any consideration to phoenix i'm very pro ayton uh i don't think the gap between him and jaron is like that big i envision i'll you know i might i might uh concede that it's just that i i think that uh I know what the Suns are building, and it's not a team that's ever going to contend for a title. Whereas I think the Grizzlies have a shot at, at kind of reaching that level. Like I think the the Suns' absolute best case scenario sort of get to this stage the Nuggets have been at for a while, where you're just always going to make the playoffs, never really do any serious damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like a Trailblazers type thing too. But the Grizzlies, I think, have a, a chance to get to that that next level. It, it is a little concerning that Booker, you know, is having another great statistical year and it really hasn't translated to wins. I think for a while they were able to coast off of that, like, quote unquote, red hot five and three start. And they've just, they've been the same old take Suns. That, take that, Suns haters. Basically, since mid November, they've been the same Suns as we've seen the last four years. Uh, what's their, I want, do you. Oh, I was going to ask what their record is uh, since Aiden's come back. Um, but they, well, they're eighteen and twenty-six overall. They've lost their last two. I mean, well, they're five and five. Okay, over the yeah, last. Yeah, Aiden has been very good. I know he 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 might be like the Devin Booker of centers. In that's some what ways. I'm saying. Like, I, I don't I that's have an issue. any doubt that he's going to put up really impressive uh, points, rebounds. Yeah, like that's that's going to be there for sure. I just I, I have a hard time pinpointing what exactly the issue is for him. Like, I, some pod I was listening to was saying like. If we, if it was like 1995, DeAndre Ayton would be like a top five player or a top five asset in the league because he, I think that was right after he had that 26, 21, two block, two steal game. And like every now and then, like his numbers are so good and he's, you know, usually a, a net positive in a lot of these games. Like I, is it just kind of these, you have to watch to see it where he well, has lapses on defense? Uh, two things. The, the defense, like. I'm just when I when I always look at these things, I'm always thinking about well, like how does this translate into the playoffs? Yeah, and I think DeAndre Ayton would just get absolutely destroyed by most playoff teams in pick and rolls, and I don't know how you get around that. And then um, there's that stat that Zach Lowe mentioned the other day, where he's averaging like a free throw game, basically. Like that is extremely concerning. That's like more concerning to me than than the defensive. He went a five game stretch where he played. Excuse me, he played an average of like thirty two minutes a game and took four total free throws. How is I just don't understand how it's possible. Like that's Lonzo Ball levels. Yeah, it is thirty. Yeah, thirty one point seven minutes per game over five games. So what does that translate to? Like one hundred fifty two minutes. He had four free throw attempts. <laughs> Did not attempt a three. But like, then you look and he's if like, you, if you're playing that, like at what? In what world does a guy that's that good and that big not get fouled? Like he just I don't know. he he must just be he hits a ton of mid range jumpers. So that's, that's that's part of it. But he's also like the raw numbers are good. Like since he came back and has played a full workload, he's basically been like eighteen and twelve, two and a half assists, two blocks. Like it it is it does kind of seem to be on the margins with him. It's a um, 
I mean, I think it's kind of a DeMarcus Cousins yes. without the baggage situation where you have to look past uh, traditional stats to and basically just look at wins and losses and yeah. uh, net rating to kind of get a, that's a, a true that's, picture of, of what the player is. That is a good example. Although Boogie, I mean, Boogie took things to a much higher level. Like he would have like 50-20 games. Yeah, like he was on... He I was mean, one of those guys not, I just well, never... Boogie was a better uh, in-the-paint producer, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he was just un- unguardable in his in his peak uh, down low, so he had the potential to kind of go right. off for that. But, I, I mean, I think Aiden... Like, if Aiden had, like, a 48-22 and 22 game, I wouldn't be surprised. Just... <laughs> on, like, 24 of 30 shooting? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He's he's one of those guys. I mean, I haven't I haven't watched a, t- a ton of Suns games. They were on a decent amount early in the season when he was out. So I, you know, I watched a lot of non Aiden Suns. But I I really really want the Suns to take that next step. You know, I love Kelly Oubre. The way I like Poppy. Kelly Oubre too. They have pieces. Like I w- you could argue that like on paper their core is right there with Memphis. It just hasn't. I think I think their roster is probably better than the Grizzlies right now head to head. But they have like ten fewer wins. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's the there's a there's a pretty big gap in terms of mm-hmm. process between. I mean, one organization passed on Luka Doncic, the other organization mm-hmm. uh, took Jaron Jackson, like that was the right pick. I mean, it, they they have a really good coach yep. in Memphis who's basically just running the the Buck stuff because that, that's where yep. it came from. But like, uh, I just don't. I, I mean, they just seem to be doing everything right. Like you get all those vibes from them, like. But I'm just like, wow, like this team's going to be insane in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And when I watch the Suns, it's just kind of like, yeah, these guys are just good at putting up empty stats. I've never once watched the Suns and thought this team's going to be insane wow. in a couple can of you years. Imagine, can you imagine a couple <laughs> years from now? Like, <laughs> uh, All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, we'll have a couple more pods coming tomorrow. Um, so we'll, I think we'll end, end the week with four pods um, heading as we, as we get a little closer to the All-Star game. But, uh, again, during your busy pre-baseball season prep. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course.